You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are two Texas licensed attorneys and we are here as a public service to help you, assist you uh, through uh, any kind of legal quagmire you might be in or just answer some basic legal questions. Sometimes you can send us your questions. You can listen to us live on Facebook and you can also message us your questions if you have any for us uh, on Facebook too and we will try to get to those in the last 10 or 15 minutes of our show. Um, Today, Tony and I are talking about the Administrative License Revocation Program, or ALR. Sometimes it's called ALS for Administrative License Suspension. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that Tony and I have some experience in. And also, we're going to be talking about the occupational license that you can get if your license gets revoked administratively. So how are you Or if you never got one. Never I mean, got a license. I have a lot of clients that kids these days just don't go get their licenses. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then they get stopped. And it's like, and, and they're not in a position to get a license immediately. Uh, of course, you can only get an occupational license if you have one. But I'm just thinking of all the people I've done them for. I've done quite a few of them in Montgomery County and Harris and Fort Bend. Well, you know what's funny, Tony, is that like with DWIs, you can have your license revoked. And it's funny because if they don't have a license before, all of a sudden, my experience is, all of a sudden they care very much about whether or not they have a valid license. Any license, isn't Uh that true? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can't appreciate it until somebody's like that yanking it from you. Yeah. Oh, I can't be driving without a license (laughs) where you were before. So, but, um, so, so I think to differentiate for our listeners, the difference between, you know, when you get your license pulled for something criminal or, I mean, like, what are some ways that... Uh, you can have your license pulled. You can have your license pulled if you have a deed, if you get a uh, driving while intoxicated or driving under the influence, your blood alcohol level is um, 0.08 or above. Mm-hmm. What are some other reasons our listeners could have their license revoked? You know, without looking at any of our printouts or anything, I just know that the standard reason that people that come to me um, that, they're, that they need an occupational license is because they've been pulled over uh, for DWI or I guess it's a DUI, but I, I usually don't. DUI, I hear that in other states, but we have DWI. We have DUIs too. We have DUIs. Mm-hmm. I guess, but I know a lot of people that get pulled over, they get DWIs even though they've got drug problems and they're not alcohol problems. Right. So it kind of confuses me a little bit, but it doesn't really matter what you call it. Um, yeah, it's the same thing. If, when, you're, when you're going to get that occupational license, it's for some reason the um, Department of Public Safety has uh, certain rules and you have no longer complied with them you're in violation and it's you know for like what you're saying if you uh, if you uh, agree to have the blood test done which i tell all of my clients unless you have not drank anything do not do that blood alcohol test at the curb or with the breathalyzer or in the, the hospital just don't do it because that's evidence against you really and that saved my last client about two weeks ago the last alr i did that in and of itself was what prevented her from having her license revoked because we won that one uh, because she was as drunk as you can imagine. This girl was 
I knew. I mean, I saw the video. But um, but we were able to keep her, uh, to prevent her from getting her license suspended uh, based on, you know, the, the, the legal procedures that you have to take to uh, to keep your license. But uh, they're usually going to be um, uh, DWI-related. Um, right, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, um, so the ALR, ALR process for a DWI or a BWI was boating while intoxicated, you know? I, mean, you get a ticket for that I was just thinking of another client that I had. Um, it used to be that if you uh, got arrested or you had a, not arrested, but if you had a conviction for drug possession, and I believe it's still the same, but I'm thinking of pot because now it's so lenient now, um, right. you would have your license, your driver's license revoked for six months. I believe that's the law. But they're so lenient with that now in all the courts. That they dismiss it. With all the pretrial interventions and all the stuff that they give you because I guess it's all accepted in Canada and Colorado and California everywhere else to, to smoke pot. But don't y'all be doing that. It's not right. a good thing to do because you'll still get in trouble. And, and it's a revenue system. generator it sure is. Uh, for, the, for the courts because and the police because they love pulling you over if they, you've got pot in your car or they suspect because yeah. they know that you're going to have to go through all these pretrial interventions. But in those instances, you may also need an occupational license. If you get pulled over with marijuana in your car? If you are charged with, yeah, if you're pulled over and you have marijuana in your car, or if you've actually been smoking, or if you're at your house with it, whatever the case may be. But if you get a charge of uh, possession of marijuana or some other drug, it can be ecstasy or whatever. You know, I'm just thinking of the different cases that I've had. um, That that you, uh, as part of the penalty, your license will be revoked, your driver's license will be revoked for six months. Even while while you're at home, if uh, yeah, wow. they don't want, it, they, it's not it is not safe to drive under the influence, yeah. and it's odd that they don't have some kind of law against not getting enough sleep and driving because that seems far more serious. But the law against that, yeah, I guess that's hard to prove, um, or harder to prove. Well, it's not hard to prove when you're swerving down the street, but it's yeah, but if this is not against the law, you can tell the officer didn't get any sleep, and yeah, the way it is, right. Okay, so it's a civil administrative process, it, and it's important for our viewers to understand that it's on. This is the crux of it. The most simple part, but no one ever gets it, is that it's not related to the criminal proceeding. Mm-hmm. It's a civil proceeding. Mm-hmm. So if you get a good attorney, say you got Tony to take care of your DWI, who cares? You're still, and she does a great job on that <laughs> and gets it dismissed or whatever. You're still subject to so the good. civil proceeding. <laughs> um, whenever you get a DWI, you've got two things you're looking at. You've got your civil license that you have to focus on because and because that's a, a privilege, not a right. right. And then if you got your the crime that you've committed or that you have been, uh, you have allegedly you're charged with committing, and you need your attorney needs to handle both to the civil side, keeping your license intact, the DPS, and the criminal side, which is keeping that violation from being on your record and you going to jail or whatever it may be that, you know, happens. In other words, defend it. But um, it's just like in anything. If you've got a license, like our law license, you could lose your law license, you could, you know, if, uh, under certain circumstances, mm-hmm. or, or any license, I guess even an alcohol, you know, any type of license. You, you go, you end up in the state office of administrative hearings for license revocation issues. But that's the civil side. So if you uh, go to an attorney, they're going to ask you, typically like I do, if you have a driver's license. And if you don't, then you don't need to deal with the ALR because because you don't have a license, so it's not going to be suspended. You don't have one anyway. Right, right. Okay, so um, so who is who can get one? We've been talking about this, individuals who refuse or fail a blood or breath test, 
following an arrest for a DWI may have their license suspended from 90 days to two years. Refusal or failure of this test will also result in an automatic one-year disqualification for individuals with commercial driver's license. Mm -hmm. So don't drink and drive. Okay, the ALR, pro- ALR process. Well, so the, that is if you refuse it, even if you're not drunk, then you're still going to lose your license. Hey, if you ref- yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that's why subtle. you don't want to drink at all. You yeah. don't want to, just don't, don't get drunk behind the wheel. Please just Uber, Lyft. Mm-hmm. Just, I have Call a designated driver. Mm-hmm. We just went out to eat for my uh, father-in-law's birthday and everybody was drinking and I'm like I'm the designated driver mm-hmm. I didn't have one sip of anything yeah which wasn't hard because I don't really drink anyway right. but just, just do that people yeah otherwise we get your money because we have to represent you that's right <laughs> uh, if law enforcement officer has reason to believe a driver's impaired a set of field sobriety tests will be administered or can be if you volunteer to them mm-hmm. I don't recommend that they volunteer to a field sobriety if you're, test actually the argument is if you're sober enough to say no to it then you're not drunk yeah that's a good argument. If the driver performs poorly uh, on the field sobriety test, then the driver will be arrested for a DWI or a voting. And that's so subjective. Uh, many, many times the officer will arrest you uh, because you're not a ballerina. Or yeah. they yeah. just are in the they're in the mood. <laughs> maybe maybe you cross them the wrong way. That happens a lot because mm-hmm. they're they're public servants and they don't get the respect they're entitled to. And mm-hmm. A lot of times they may take it out at you at on you at two in the morning when you shouldn't be out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the driver is asked, okay, so number one, the driver is asked to take a blood or breath test to measure their blood alcohol concentration. Number two, the driver is served notice that his or her driver's license will be suspended. We're talking about ALR now. We're uh-huh. talking about the civil process uh-huh. of that. Uh, they receive notice that his or her license will be suspended if they refuse to take a f- or fail a field sobriety test and the blood alcohol content. If you take a field sobriety test, if you blow into something or you're, they take your blood is 0.08. We already said that. And remember that, that test, if it's the one that's by the <coughs> officer's car is not admissible and doesn't count. The one that's the, the mobile one, that's the breath not, one. That's, that does not count on anything. Yeah. Um, the, it's the breathalyzer if it's at the station and the, uh, any blood alcohol uh, uh, test that's taken by the proper uh, per, uh, uh, I guess, uh, professional. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, uh, the individual then has 15 days from the date of the suspension notice that you get civilly, <clears throat> not criminally, uh, through the mail to request a hearing. If a hearing is not requested, the suspension goes into effect on the 40th day after the notice was served. Now, let me just stop you there real quick. That, um, infor- that DIC notice, it's the DIC 23, 24, and 25, but mostly the 24, those stand for something, Department of something, something, I can't remember. But they're the forms that inform you um, that these are your rights and your license will be suspended. And they're asking you if it says whether or not you refused or not. Um, most people are listening to them. If they don't do those right, if they don't properly give you those forms right there at the scene or after you, you know, before you've done the test and what have you, to basically have your, to know your rights on this particular issue of driving or intoxicating your license, then then they can't suspend your license. So that formality is really important. Okay, good to know. Uh, so if a hearing's not requested, you got, okay, so for various reasons, including delayed or missing paperwork, mm-hmm. I think Tony just touched on that, the days, the 40 days can be retroactive or backdated from the date of the notice. But typically, if, if they're served properly, mm-hmm. then it's 40 days from the date of the arrest. 
Yes, yes. And that's when you have to, and this is why I get this question all the time. Your attorney doesn't have to call. You can literally pick the phone up the next day after you get out of jail and um, and say that you want the ALR hearing. You can fax it. You can email it. I mean, it's so easy to ask for that hearing. Just ask for the hearing because as long as you ask for it, you've now taken that that limitation off the 40 days and it's now, you still, now you keep your license until you actually have the hearing mm-hmm. or um, actually until you have the hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're talking about administrative license revocation or administrative license suspension. When we come back, we're going to talk about hearings. This is uh, The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl on Lone Star 104.5 and 106.1. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, check out the Ticket Stub Podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. Path to the Plate is a research-based education program that helps consumers understand how their food choices impact their health by making the connection to agriculture, learning about how food is grown and produced, and how consumers can make better food choices for themselves and their families. Path to the Plate is all about dispelling myths and misconceptions. Find out more online at pathtotheplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about administrative license revocation, which is a civil procedure if you get stopped for DWI. So it's not a criminal proceeding. It's civil. and It's, it's a civil prong of being stopped for DWI. Right. You're going to civilly lose your license if you don't fight it and your driver's license. And you're going to criminally have a DWI on your record if you don't fight it in the criminal court. Right. And, you know, there's a $125 reinstatement fee required prior to the renewal or issuance of your driver's license. So that's if you, if that that's up. if it's suspended, right? Mm-hmm. Never suspended, you don't pay that fee. Right. But if it is suspended and they're and the, it's a preponderance of the evidence to, of proof, so it's really easy for it to be suspended, it doesn't take much, then it's, it's all kind of problems for you because you've now got the, the reinstatement fees, You've got the, 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 the points now on your driver's record. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the $3,000 you're going to have to pay out over three years. Mm-hmm. Once your license gets suspended, it's it's expensive to get it back. So you want to fight that administrative, uh, uh, go to the administrative licensing revocation hearing. No matter how drunk you may think you are or whatever, fight this thing. And okay. it, it really helps you because you'll meet the officers. Yeah, right. So that's what we're going to talk about now, the hearings for the ALR. <laughs> Okay, in certain circumstances, they, people can be eligible to request a hearing 
for an administrative license revocation to contest the suspension. Um, if the request is submitted within the required 15 days, we already talked about that a little bit. There's some variance mm -hmm. that is possible there. The DPS will send a letter. We talked about that. The letter will provide the date, time, and location of the hearing. Um, and you have to allow up to 120 days for the hearing to be scheduled. That's a long time, Tony. Well, it is, but it's really not. If, in fact, it's not, it's, it's not long enough if you don't have your blood alcohol result. They won't even set it. So that's, it, it just kind of depends. I like to, I like to set the, um, the ALR hearings out. Usually, as far as I can, first, their license is still good. Um, secondly, it gives me a chance to review the record better mm -hmm. uh, and actually go visit the scene to see what my arguments are. I'll always go visit the scene where they're stopped. Even if it's over using GPS, I've got to see it to argue it. I've got to be that person. I've got to see what they were, what the police officers were seeing in order to be in that position to be their advocate. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, though, if you miss the 15 days, mm -hmm. um, you can still get an ALR hearing by addressing that with the personnel because it could be that it was called in and they just don't have the records. You want to call in even if you miss the 15 days and ask for it. Just ask for the hearing. Do not, do not bypass the opportunity to have the ALR hearing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then we can get into a little bit about what, more about what goes on in those hearings. But without it, you're going to lose your license and you're going to have all those fees. So why not, everything in life's about taking and not passing up the opportunity to prevail on a bad situation right. under every circumstance. Right. So here, you, you, you need to fight it. Okay, they're conducted by the State Office of Administrative Hearings. And so the hearing's held. The, there's an administrative law judge. They listen to all the parties and the evidence. Um, after the hearing, the judge will issue a final appealable decision and order that will be sent to the parties. If the judge finds the DPS has proven its case, the, judge order, the judge's order will authorize the suspension of the individual's driver's license. If the judge finds the DPS has not proven its case, the individual driver's license will not be suspended. Okay, so we have this hearing. <clears throat> You've got a prosecutor mm -hmm. that works for the state, mm -hmm. and here you are, the defense attorney. Mm -hmm. And they're just like little, um, they've got, that's all they do. And when, yeah. you go, and when you go to these hearings, the state office of administrative hearings, is it's a court. It's a real court. But it's not a courtroom like you go to, when, like you see on TV. Right. And it's with a judge behind a bench and all that. It's usually folding tables or something very, much more casual, and and uh, when you get there, you, you've got the prosecutor from the state who's got tons and tons. It's just a list of these cases, and then you've got yourself arguing for your your uh, client, mm -hmm. and then you've got the officers that you've subpoenaed. But um, this I didn't. I don't know why I didn't know this for many years, and you kind of have to play it by ear. But generally, you do not bring your client to testify in this civil hearing. First, even though it's not a criminal hearing can't plead the fifth because, well, you do plead the fifth because because you would be, incriminate yourself on the criminal side if you said something under oath, and you're under oath at these hearings. Typically, though, you never bring your client. You argue it without them. However, I have won these cases bringing my client when the fact issue is about whether the stop was proper. Because if the officer says in his report the stop was one way, but if that wasn't true, and your client is telling you there's no way that's not what happened, you have to have that disputed testimony because it's a preponderance of the evidence. So that's when you bring them. Otherwise, I've never, I rarely see the client at these hearings. You mm -hmm. never bring them. It's just usually going to be on the record. 
Right. And so you subpoenaed the officers Mm -hmm. and you, I mean, you know, it's just, I know our listeners are thinking, okay, my blood alcohol was 0.2, you know. Um, (laughs) One fifth of my blood. Yeah. A fifth. A fifth of a fifth. (laughs) (laughs) From drinking a fifth. Right. And uh, so, you know, how are you going to win something like that? And that's, that. it's all just, first, if you really weren't drunk and they took your license, you're going, you should win because justice should prevail. And that's when you really just want to go down there. And really, these, the judges are people. They're really nice. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most civil of all hearings is ALR uh, settings. You go in there and everybody is so nice. Well, I I guess federal courts are real civil too, but there's such a high penalty. I mean, you're probably going to prison for a long time. But in the ALR hearing, you know, it's going anywhere. It's just civil. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they find against you. And they're not going to find that day either. You're not going to get a ruling that day. You're going right. to get it in the mail. Okay. Right. So um, everything's really pleasant and polite. But the way it works is um, you get there and uh, you've got to, um, uh, the, the, there's the judge sitting by the desk. No, you're usually, your client's not there. You subpoena the officers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's, and you go to the state office of administrative hearings online. Mm-hmm. And you, usually if you Google that for driver's licenses, they're set up for people to represent themselves pro se. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't advise that if you really want to keep your license because you're not going to know all the loopholes. Right. But um, but it's set up for that purpose. And it tells you how to subpoena the officers, and it tells you what forms to file to get a continuance. And it, it kind of walks you through it. So it's very user-friendly. Here's the catcher, though. You can't just go in there and, and say, well, the officers aren't here. So just like you would in, like, if you get a speeding ticket, so my case should be dismissed doesn't work that way on the civil side. If your officers aren't there and you've got the, you've got the um, responsibility to bring them there, then you will lose. And so there's this little dance. Uh, I'm going to call it the dance, the ALR dance. You've got to properly serve your officers by subpoena within five days of the hearing. Mm-hmm. And, and then you've got to send, you've got to file the receipt, their process of service, showing they received it within three days of that hearing in the court. And you can do it online, but you've got to get an online code. So you want to you want to look at this in advance. If you call the DPS and you hang on the line for a while and actually talk to somebody, they are really, really nice. They'll walk you through it, okay? You don't want to pay an attorney to do it. It'll be about $2,500 for an attorney to go through all this work for you to keep your license, right? I mean, that's what I charge because it's a lot of work. And um, once you get there, um, if you've properly served them and they don't show up and you follow those guidelines, to a T. I'm talking about you can't miss anything on that. It has to be the right officer, properly served. You've got the a timely, everything's done. If they don't show up, I've seen it just like, it's almost rote. The judge will say, in all the different counties where I've seen this happen, uh, the, the attorney's just up there reading off the people where the attorneys didn't show up, and the, the judge is just saying, uh, it's dismissed, it's dismissed, it's dismissed. Mm-hmm. All right. However, if your officers show up, well, that's a different story altogether because now you have to go forward with the hearing. And the officers are state employees, just like the judges, just right. like the prosecutor is. Mm-hmm. And it's just little old you mm-hmm. with all these state employees mm-hmm. talking bad about your client. Mm-hmm. And so what do you have? You're going to have to now argue your case mm-hmm. for your client. And your client usually does you no good because they usually were drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bad thing is they, mm-hmm. were, they usually were. And um, if you can show that there was not a preponderance of the evidence presented by the state um, using the officers that you subpoenaed, you will win the, your, your, uh, your, your, your ALR hearing and the license is not suspended. And you get to, you, get, you wait for the letter to come in the mail on whether you won it or lost from the judge or the court. And then you either celebrate 
or you don't have to see your client in person because it came in the mail and you just let them know that you didn't expect to win because they were drunk and they shouldn't be driving drunk, but you can win it. And so um, I just won one of these last week mm-hmm. beyond all, who knew? I mean, there was no way I was going to win this. This girl was absolutely flat out drunk mm-hmm. as all can be. Mm-hmm. And I knew we weren't going to win it, but I had to try. Right. And I was a little bit aggravated because it was like not her first DWI. It's like, you know, how many times are we going to go through this? And you're going to hurt people if you do this and that kind of thing. But on the other hand, um, she was having a really bad time in her life and things right. were not going well. And mm-hmm. I kind of understood her position. Who am I to judge? I can't judge people. It's right. really a bad thing. Right. You know, God doesn't like that. Well, and, and you said, too, I think it's important, you know, because some of our listeners may be thinking, oh, those attorneys are terrible. They're getting people off and they're empowering them to drive and all of that. But earlier you'd said, or maybe you said it to me, if you know that person's not still drinking and driving. Right. I mean, we, you know, we have a, a moral ethic, too. I mean, if right. you I'm, know. If you know your client, and I have a lot of clients like this, are, are alcoholics. Yeah. You're not going to fight. You may go to the ALR and you may fight it procedurally for them. Sure, because But you're also going to make sure that on the criminal side that they've got a breathalyzer in that car, mm-hmm. an intoxilizer. Right. Uh, an intoxilizer. The, um, the, you know I'm talking about? The, the breathalyzer. The, the, the breath uh, monitor. Ignition. Yeah, the, the, the interlock. I'm sorry. Interlock, yeah, I always, get, right. always say the wrong thing. The interlock, or they've got one at home if they pretend like they don't have a car, so they're monitored at home. You're, and they're in an AA program and they're going to church. As a... As a, an attorney and their friend, you want to keep them alive and you want their life to be on track. But if it's a one-time thing yeah. and there's a lot of, and, and, and I'm not here to judge either, but right. even if it's not a one-time thing, if you think it's safe and that all the precautions are being taken, then it's your job as an attorney to make sure that their license is is good mm-hmm. or that they, they've got an occupational <clears throat> license to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, how the administrative hearings work. You generally don't win them because it's such a low standard for the, for the state, state. To, to make. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, they, they issue out these these hearing notices so quick after it's called in that um, what you really want to do if you've got a client is you want to call in and make sure, call the DPS and let them know who, what their driver's license number is mm-hmm. and let them know that you represent them and, and email over to them your representation so that you're also noticed of their hearing. Right. So you can get a continuance or, or whatever you need to do to prepare for the case. The other thing is you really want to go to these hearings if you really did have someone who was drunk, but you need to get them off because it's a felony, something, you know, something where it's a lot more serious than just a little, you know, misdemeanor, first or second DWI. Um, you want to go to this hearing because you need to see who the officers are, how skilled they are, what really happened from their point of view, get their testimony. Because if you don't get their testimony, then their next bite at the apple, you're not right. going to get a de- deposition is going to be at court. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, when I went to this last one, I knew right off the bat that we would want to go to court on this one, even though she was totally drunk, because the officers didn't follow the proper procedures. They were so new. It was so sad for them, mm-hmm. but they learned, and mm-hmm. we all learned. Mm-hmm. And I knew based on their testimony that we had a slam dunk win in court. Wow. And I would never, ever have known that based on what I was reading and all mm-hmm. the records. Mm-hmm. So you got to go. You got to fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um you know, assuming, so say, assuming a license holder makes a demand for a hearing within the period, a hearing scheduled, um, you know, uh, commonly an administrative hearing will be conducted by the state's Department of Motor Vehicles, like you said. Um, what I just wanted to say is, is that, and you just said that the state's argument is always the uh, having a license is a privilege. Mm-hmm. 
But the counter argument to that is, is that, you know, it's called a privilege. It's categorized as a privilege. It's an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. And so that's something else that can be argued effectively or ineffectively, depending on the circumstances. But, you know, it, it is a privilege. And, I, you know, to me, I think back in 1895, it was a privilege. But today... I don't think they had cars in 1895. Uh, uh, producer... 1920. Uh, when, when the cars come about. Guys always they noticed. They had carriages. <laughs> what, what like I mean, that? I think it was the late 1800s. Oh, cars? Okay, I thought it was like 1903, the Model T. Well, no, they had they had other cars. Before, before Model then. T was the first uh, mass okay, okay, okay. car. Assembly okay. line car. You're right, because they had so. steam engines with, with uh, the trains and what have yeah. you. Right. Uh, but um, I'm pretty sure they didn't have any sort of um, governmental um, uh, supervision, like a license, probably until easily the you know the, the, the into the 1900s, 1950, 1960s. It was, may thinking. have been a privilege, but my point was, <laughs> yeah, at sorry. one time it was a privilege. I was thinking, you don't need a license to ride a horse. People could nowadays you can go get your horse. And... I don't know. Is that true? Uh, Where would you park it? <laughs> at one time, I don't know. At one time, it may have been a privilege, but the counter-argument is that it's not a privilege anymore. It's an absolute necessity. And there are also arguments that in these administrative law hearings, you got the ju- the judge who's the judge, jury, and executioner, and that's unfair, mm-hmm. too, to the um, the person that's going through this. That is so true. I will say this about the administrative law judges that I've dealt with for driver's licenses. They are very pro-driver Oh, well, that's great. Uh, but that you, but I would say 95% of the time, even pro-driver, the evidence will support by preponderance of evidence that yeah. they prove their case. So they're still hard. Yeah, right. Okay, well, you know, then let's go on and talk about, okay, so it gets suspended, right? It, it can be suspended for 180 days if it's a first offense. Uh, it can be, uh, wait, if the individual refused to provide a blood or breath mm-hmm. specimen following an arrest for an offense, uh, prohibiting the operation of a motor vehicle or watercraft while intoxicated, while under the influence of alcohol, mm-hmm. and or while under the influence of a controlled substance, mm-hmm. 180 days, first offense, mm-hmm. two years if previously suspended mm-hmm. for failing or refusing. Just refusing. Yep. That means you could be stone cold sober and refusing is going to get this privilege of your license pulled. That's why it's so critical not to drink. But... On the other hand, if you refuse because it's the logical thing to refuse if you don't trust the officer, if you've had one drink because you're not intoxicated with one drink, it's not against the law to drink and drive, you're not intoxicated, yet that's when you call for your ALR hearing and you wait to be able to go argue it so it never becomes suspended. Mm-hmm. So that's, you can still refuse, just like with my clients, you can still refuse and still keep your license, but you have to make sure you properly argue it so you don't lose that ability to, um, that, that one I'm, I'm losing my chain of thought here, the way I'm talking, but but you, you will lose the, your um, that uh, ability to keep your license if you don't go to the ALR hearing. That that one chance is right. gone. Right. So refuse, but go to the hearing, or don't refuse, and then and then uh, hope that your blood alcohol is under 0.08. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I want to just finish this part. If it's previously two years, if it's previously suspended. For failing or refusing a blood or breath test or for DWI, intoxication, assault, or intoxication, manslaughter, conviction during the 10 years preceding the date of the arrest. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this reaches other convictions as well. If the individual provided a blood or breath specimen with an alcohol concentration of 0.08 or greater, 
following an arrest for an offense involving the operation of a motor vehicle or a boat mm -hmm. uh, while intoxicated, then it, your license suspension is going to be for 90 days if it's the first offense and one year if you've previously been suspended for mm -hmm. failing or refusing. Right, for lenient. Mm -hmm. Get a, bo a bone. Throw you a bone on, for that. Depends on whether you provide or you refuse. Now, I will add one little uh, caveat to that. If you have an underage driver, in other words, um, uh, under 21, I think you're going to tell us about that. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you're going to say. Uh, if the minor, a minor's driver's license will be suspended under the following circumstances, mm -hmm. the minor refused, same thing. The minor refused to provide a breath or blood specimen. Happens a lot. Just under, you're a minor because you can drive, you're over 15, but you're under 21, that six-year period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if it's your first offense, it's 180-day suspension and two years if you previously been suspended for failing or refusing a blood or breath test or previously suspended for DWI, intoxication assault, intoxication manslaughter conviction. It reaches back the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. If the minor provided a blood or breath specimen or a detectable amount of alcohol was found following an arrest for an offense, then uh, it's suspended for 60 days. Any amount, any yeah. amount. And here's the catcher on that. A lot of my clients like to smoke their pot. Yep. And and they will go somehow, I don't know how this one guy did it, but they got his blood. He didn't approve it, but in this particular case, they got it. And he had, he didn't wasn't drinking at all, but he had pot in his blood. They could detect it, I forgot what it was, it, within, I guess it's 30 days, it'll show up in your blood. And he had a detectable amount of marijuana, of marijuana in his mm -hmm. blood. And it threw our whole case into a tizzy. And uh, because everything was perfect, it was going to be dismissed. And they had that blood. So beware. If they get your blood somehow and they can find a way to have it admitted and you're under 21 and you've been smoking your pot or have some prescription medication in you, which is not uncommon for kids. Right. You know, anything, a little ecstasy or something. You just mm -hmm. borrow it from your buddy or whatever it is. It, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying I don't condone it, but it happens a lot. Sure. Um, then um, it will really affect your your case if you're under 21, detrimentally. Yeah. Okay. Um. It says 180 days. It will be suspended. If it's a first offense involving alcohol, it's 120 days suspension. If they voluntarily provided it, 180 days. If you previously convicted of two or more times of an offense involving the operation of a motor vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. Okay. If the minor was not requested to provide blood or breast specimen followed the, following the arrest, of a motor vehicle, uh, operation of a motor vehicle, because the presence of alcohol was detected or measured by other means. I smelt it on his breath. Officers mm -hmm. say that all the time. Mm -hmm. You get a 60-day suspension if it's the first events and offense and 120 days if you've been previously convicted. This is still for minors, right? Yeah. And just, I, I know from my experience with minors, they're ultra, ultra sensitive and scared and life is still, you know, relatively new for them. And as cocky as they seem a lot of times because they think they, you know, they, 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 they know everything already. Um, they are, they are terrified that they're now, you know, their they life is now, you know, going to be over because they smoked a little pot and they got stopped or they were drinking. They got stopped. Right. But um, there, there's de deferred, uh, pre-trial deferred, there's things that you can work with if it's not really severe. So it's not the end of the world. Right. And then, you know, for our professional drivers out there, you know, commercial driver's license gets suspended too. You get pulled over, you're driving your truck to the store. You can lose your commercial driver's license. Mm -hmm. And um, so don't do that. Um, I think we probably need to take a break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the occupational license, which is the, the 
remedy if your license gets a suspended. A license to work. Right. So we'll be right back after the break. Follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift than a flight on a historic B-17? Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, or more information, Go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast. Create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Good afternoon. Welcome back to The Legal Connection. Tony and I are talking about administrative license revocations and suspensions. Same thing. And that's the civil side of getting a DWI or a BWI boating while intoxicated. So we've been talking about the whole process. Uh, you can download us on Google Play and iTunes if you miss the first part of the show. And uh, you can listen. And um, also you can send us your questions. We're live on Facebook. You can send us your questions uh, to Facebook Messenger. But now we're going to talk about the occupational driver's license, which is the remedy if your license has been suspended and you still need to get to work or you still need to drive your children around or right. you still need to do some things. And so it's a step. There are several steps to it. Mm -hmm. How much do attorneys charge to get an occupational driver's license for their well, clients? Um, you know, it, it depends. And I will say this. It's not something I do for all my clients because it's a, first off, there's an administrative fee that you have to pay to file for it. In Montgomery County, I love this county because the, it, it, the what their procedure is that you have a choice between going to the court where you were charged with the crime right. to ask that judge to give you the occupational license. And you, you fill out a petition. A lot of times they're online. You can fill them in. I have my own form that I use because I think it's, it's uh, a little bit more professional and comprehensive in my opinion. But this, the, the, the petitions that they have online, if you can find them in different counties, I don't think they have one in Montgomery County. You can fill it in and, and change the county and use it. Um, in Montgomery County, you can go to the JP court right. or the uh, or the district court, or depending on your district court or the county court, depending on whether it's misdemeanor or felony. If you had a bunch of a felony, or if, if you had a child in court, it, it'll, it'll turn to a felony, but it's a more severe stop for the DWI. Right. And um, 
But the, the, what, why it's more, it's important is JP Court only charges forty dollars for you to to get that license, and right. we I fight like a dog to see if I've got facts that allow me to uh, get an occupational license in Montgomery County JP Court. It's so inexpensive, and it's it's really easy. You, you do all the petition. It's not that easy. There's certain things you have to do. You've got to get your um, SR22, which is a particular kind of proof of a particular kind of insurance because you get the DWI, and then you've got to get your driver's record online, which is certified, and you can do that all, and they send it to you, and it's expedited, and there's a certain fee for that. But um, if you get all the information that you need and attached to the occupational license which and file Which is the it, petition, the SR-22, the driving record, and the order. Oh, you and the order, yes. You need yes. to get the order yes. uh-huh. and have all that filled out. You can hand-fill that out. Well, when you say order... Um, that the judge know, signs granting the occupational license. Um, that, yeah, that's when, that's when you finally send it to the DPS so that you've got that the occupational license. That's the final way to effectuate it. But to get the occupational license, you have to file the petition with the court, and then you get the order after that hearing. So you have to actually oh, go I, to a hearing. I was told that you had to give them the order with Well, you, how would you have an order? The judge hasn't heard anything No, yet. they're going to sign it. The, something that the judge will sign right, right, right. granting but you, before, Yeah, before you do that, you've got to actually start somewhere, and so you have to file the petition. And so are you going to file the petition in the court where the, where the, the violation occurred or where you're charged? Are you going to file it in the JP court? So first you have to go to a judge somewhere, some some judge out there, and present your facts on why you should be entitled to an occupational license and what your prerequisite, when you drive, you know, all the kind of things that go with that. And there's certain rules behind that. Once you go to that hearing, then, and it's a little mini hearing, it's, and in it, 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 I think in Montgomery County, depending on, if you go to the JP court, you have to actually go in person for the hearing. If you pay a little bit more for the, the fee, and you go to the the actual court in Montgomery County, the District of the Misdemeanor Court. Then you, it's it's not it's just by submission, and you get it. But it costs more. It's like forty dollars worth is like like two hundred forty. Right. Yeah. And then you go you you so you're basically showing the judge the, the facts, whether it be by submission or oral. But it's just different in each county. And so in Montgomery County, I always like to go to the JP because it's a lot less expensive. And then right. you, you set a hearing, and then you go when the when the court says that you're you're set. And then you wait in line with everybody else that wants their occupational license. And usually attorneys get it done faster. So if you hire an attorney, you're going to save a lot of time because they can go right up there. They sign their name off on a little attorney sheet. And what would they charge to do that? Attorneys, um, an- another if I'm getting an occupational license in Montgomery County because my because the actual cost is less, um, I'll usually charge, depending on the person's facts, about $1,500 because I'm looking at about $300 an hour of my time mm-hmm. um, to get it to set, you know, and to file it and to go and argue it. And it really depends. If I've got someone who's an alcoholic, I've got a lot worse argument. Yeah. You know, so sometimes I may not want to do it at all. But if you're in Harris County, the difference is, and I'm using those two big counties, right. is you have to go to the court where you were charged, whether it be the felony or the misdemeanor court. You can't go to JP court. Automatically, it's going to be, I think it's now like $260, $260 mm-hmm. to file it. Then you have to go get all this stuff. Before you even accept it, instead of hearing, you have to have all that stuff attached to it. Then after you have the Attached hearing. Attached to your petition. To your petition. Once, then you have a, a, a dummy order, and that's when you get the order. After you have all this stuff you've proven to the trial court for the, so that you can show this to the DPS, then you get the signed order. Then you send all that stuff to the DPS to get your occupational license with your little, you know, the picture or whatever it is. You'll get you'll get a license back, and it'll say occupational on it. But that's that's the difference between the different. And, and it's going to be even different over in... Um, in uh, uh, Waller, it's mm-hmm. different there. I think theirs is only on submission. 
It's just going to be different in every county. But and only on submission means you give all this stuff to the judge and they just and you don't have to show up and nobody wants to show up because it's really scary and it's a lot of time away from work and sitting around. But in Montgomery County JP courts, if you if you know you're going to be first on the docket and you've got an attorney, and it's just going to be a rubber stamp. And usually it is if you've got everything done. If you've done exactly what you're supposed to do to get it, you've got the. uh, They'll deny it if you don't have your SR22 and your the right the proper insure the proper driving record. They're going to deny it if your driving record supports that you've had a number of occupational licenses. Or they're going to deny it, and this has happened to me a couple of times too, um, if, and it was improper, so we had to go back again, if it shows that you owe money to the Department of Public Safety because you had a prior DWI or you didn't have insurance or you have this driving record that for whatever reason is that you didn't pay this fee, for all this stuff, if you're good, then they're going to grant it. But you've got to be, have it really clean and go forward and get the occupational license petition done done properly, mm-hmm. submit it to a court, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which one you go to, mm-hmm. and then all that stuff now goes not to a court again, but to the DPS to, to because you've met all the requirements to get your occupational license. And then you send that signed order with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when you send the signed order. Uh-huh. Well, you get the judge to sign it. The court won't generate an order for it. You've so the judge will it. generally sign, unlike the administrative licensing hearing where they have to make a decision, because they actually do go and look at the record. Mm-hmm. Here, the record is pretty much right there on the petition. And right. it, they're just checking off a box. Right. Do I have my SR-22? Did they, all their fees are paid? Are they good? Because that's your driver's lot. Your record's going to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's right there, they're going to sign the order for you right there, yeah. which your client wants yeah. because you need that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need an occupational license, you need it right then. It's like one of those things. I have clients that all the time say, I don't want to do it because I'm going to take my chances. The, you know, I'm not going to get stopped. I'm not going to drive, whatever. And then they'll get, I had a client just last week. I rolled through a stop sign and I need my occupational license now. Fortunately, his license was still not suspended because we hadn't had the ALR hearing yet. But he said, I'm going to, but he's saying he needs it, but he doesn't actually need it yet. Not yet. Because we may beat the rap on the, right. on the ALR hearing side. Mm-hmm. So we may be okay on that. But, um, but that being said, that's how you go about getting your occupational license. Okay, and so then when you do all that with the court, don't they give you a receipt and that receipt is your temporary license? No. That's what no. they told me here. Um, okay, the receipt, maybe they all courts are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The receipt is your temporary license mm-hmm. and then they'll mail it for you or do you have Oh, you have to, to do all the work. The court's not going to do any of that for so you. So you got this temporary receipt and then I was told by the court over here, I think it was uh, County Court at Law 4, that that receipt is your temporary it's, it's license all relative because if a police officer stops you and you have a receipt from the court saying I went to court and my license is good but he's looking at his little computer deal saying oh your registration says it's out and that's not changed if it's different it's going to be how well that officer knows the law because mm-hmm. yeah if you've already gone through it and you've got the receipt from the court showing that they've signed off on the occupational license and you're just waiting for the DPS to send it to you the only thing that changes is now you're going to have to go. Uh, you'll have to send some information to the DPS to get it to clarify, to, to fix the miscommunication. So it, it just depends. I would, I would say, and this is, this is uh, you know, a, a kind of a high five to our Montgomery County officers. For the most part, they, they do know the law. 
Yeah. So um, yeah, they're they're good about that, and they're not. They're going to say, oh, important. if they've done enough DWIs, if they're really green and new, mm-hmm. and they don't know it, and they're giving you bad time, which we we both know, we've been through some trials where mm-hmm. they're just they want to show how great they are, right. and they want to get the the win and all that stuff, and it's actually sort of irrational, and you just want to call their moms and say, can you please talk to them in the middle of the hearing? <laughs> Tell them not to be a bully. Will you stop telling them to be a bully? Not this being is a bully. That, 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 you know, you're supposed to serve God by serving others, and there's serving nobody by arguing this meritless argument that's going to get reversed anyway. But that being said, yeah, that's just kind of me. Um, I just wanted to say that, that producer Dick said that we had a, a listener comment and uh, what, what, it answered my question. I thought it was so interesting. So what, tell us about that. They said it was a 1979 Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Nine, 1979. 1979? Sorry, sorry. Uh, 1897. 18, yeah, my dyslexia hit me hard there. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about when the first car, the first motorized vehicle uh, hit the street. So you might need a license. And it was in Germany. And our uh, our listener uh, had we looked it up for us. Thank goodness, Brooke LB. Yes, Brooke looked it up, and she said that um, that eighteen seventy nine Mercedes Benz. Yeah, on first. The, on uh, the, I don't. We, did we even have streets back then? We had roads. Uh, well, I know for sure that it, I've seen all the Montgomery County. Uh, if you go down to the um, Heritage Museum over here off of forty five, so interesting. I I want everybody that in Montgomery County that wants to know anything and it's about about our heritage in Conroe and. And Mr. Conroe, the guy that kind of established it, go down to this museum and just look at the old pictures and read about it. How neat. It is, it is, where is it fascinating. At? Right off of 45, right down the street from the courthouse. Oh, I know where it is. It is the yeah. most fascinating thing. It doesn't cost anything. You can give a little donation. But you can see all the old pictures and all the dirt roads. It talks about the courthouse being burnt down. It talks about how Metcalf, the streets are named, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the Metcalfs, but I know now because my um, my father-in-law is dating a woman that knows them that, they're really nice people. They've uh-huh. got they're real people. These streets are named after uh, real people that existed in, in the Conroe area. So they had they made a name for themselves and got a street. That is so neat. Okay, well, I just want to wrap up this real quick and tell them that what they need, our listeners, what they need after the judge signs the order, they need to mail the paperwork and fees to DPS. That's why I was asking you about the receipt because I mean, are they just sitting there waiting? But no, they don't care. But it's, it's to your benefit to get it to them as quick as you can, and you keep a copy of it. Right. And so, what you need to mail to them is a certified copy of your petition for the occupational license, a certified copy of the order, mm-hmm. your SR twenty two proof of insurance mm-hmm. certificate, check money order payable to the DPS, mm-hmm. ten dollars yes. for one year license, mm-hmm. twenty dollars for two year license, yes. and you need to pay any reinstatement fees. And I believe the reinstatement fee is one hundred twenty five dollars. Yes. But you can look this up online too. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, Tony, that's all the time we have for today. We've been talking about administrative license revocation or suspension and what to do if that happens uh the occupational license and our next study the next two uh, shows we have are going to be entirely too interesting and fascinating all going to be on immigration law and um if you how do you how you get a visa how how you can stay here or maybe why you shouldn't be here we've got a, a, an expert coming in that's going to give and us who the, is that tony um shiva gill uh, she's gonna, it, all, with all the stuff going on with the border and who she, and DACA and That'd Dreamers and who if you want to turn somebody in or not turn somebody in or all she's going to give us a lowdown on all the facts and what really happened with the federal courts versus the state courts and what you need to do if you've got a, a loved one that's in trouble or if you have 
a loved one that you'd like to get out, you know, leave the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, listen, next week we'll be talking about immigration law. Don't forget, serve God by serving others. See you next week.